Hello, and welcome to Tech UK's Innovation in Place-Based Care podcast, launched as part of our Digital Place Week 2022. More on that later. My name is Rory Daniels, and I'm Tech UK's Program Manager for Social Care and Place Lead for our local public services program. First, I'm delighted to be joined by Helena Zaum, Social Care Lead at Microsoft and Chair of Tech UK's Social Care Working Group, Scott Kane, Associate at the Connected Places Catapult, and Hannah Groombridge, Healthcare Engagement Manager at Person Centred Software. It's great to have you all here, so a huge thanks for joining. So, Helena, I thought maybe you could kick us off, and would you like to begin by explaining a bit more about your roles at Microsoft and Tech UK? Yeah, of course. Thanks very much, Rory. So, yeah, I'll, I'll start with my uh, with my Microsoft role. So, I've been in post for about four years or thereabouts as part of work that Microsoft's seeking to do, ultimately, really, to better understand our customers. Uh, so, we work very closely with local authorities and wanted really to understand more deeply um, how uh, both directors of adult services and indeed directors of children's services could make use of technology to support them um, in delivering uh, the sort of services that they want to provide and that we all, all want to consume. So uh, it's, it's very much about understanding the tech trends and then seeing how they could be applied and used within a social care context. So I sometimes describe myself as a bit of a translation engine, because uh, on the one hand, I'm kind of translating technology, and then on the other hand, helping Microsoft and our partners actually understand what some of the issues are facing the sector. Um, I was really delighted to be elected um, chair of the Tech UK Social Care Working Group. Oh, gosh, it feels like it was a long time ago, but I think it was only a couple of months back. And, and that role really is very much about understanding uh, some of the, the broad asks that the tech sector has and would like to make of policy and other decision makers in and around social care and really supporting um, the voice of the technology supplier, if you will, uh, in some of the important discussions that are happening uh, in central government. So you know, a lot of those are with the Department of Health and Social Care, but also with, with other uh, central government and, and in, in fact, other, other bodies, particularly of people who are looking to change the way that social care works in the UK. So yeah, those are, those are my two, two roles Rory thank you brilliant thanks and while we're while you're just on that that topic it could you perhaps give us a 20-second definition of place-based care and explain why this topic matters to you uh, and your organization we talk a lot in social care about delivering um, services which are you know which are personalized and which are anticipatory it's my view you can't deliver services that are really personalised without fully understanding what's happening for an individual, for their family and their friends, and those are people who support them. And, and that includes all sorts of different things. It certainly doesn't just include a health and care record. It includes things like what's happening in terms of their housing, what's their financial position, um, you know, what are some of the groups and things that they enjoy doing that mean that you know they're really living life rather than just being a person in receipt of care so it's very much a kind of holistic view and honestly Rory we don't think that you can really get to true personalization without having a, a much more kind of comprehensive and place-based data supported view as to what's happening for an individual and the community that they live in um, so that's what it means to me and I guess to Microsoft. 
Fantastic. Thanks. And uh, this feels like a great time to bring in Scott. So Scott, can you please explain what it is that you do at the Connected Places Catapult? Um, so I'm an associate, which is basically a bit like an old person that has a particular passion or interest in a particular topic. The thing I've been leading on is our program around active travel and creating places that are conducive to people to move a little bit by their own power. So by bikes, e-bikes, walking, cycling, the like. Prior to that, I was the chief business officer. And so I guess I have a, a, a bit of an overview of, of the breadth of work that's done. If unfamiliar, um, what is the Connected Places Catapult? It is the UK's accelerator for innovation in transport, cities and place leadership. So place is fundamental to the whole work uh, that we do. And as such, therefore, things like how do you design and consider homes for people and you know, when, when we move through various stages of our life and therefore considering what the, the, I guess, the distinct innovation requirements are that are read across to adjacent sectors. So how do we design and build an architect to allow people to live full and healthy lives is something that perhaps we'll touch upon um, later in the discussion. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my main area of focus. Fantastic. Thanks, Scott. And maybe just to touch upon one of the things you just mentioned there. So. If we were to talk about the the principles that maybe would guide organisations that are striving to innovate in in place based care or place more broadly, are there any key ones that that stand out to you? It's it's almost so obvious. It maybe is a bit of a truism, but it's that kind of spirit of collaboration. It's that ability that organisations don't simply approach a question from their own frame of reference, but instead. You know, take a, a truly user-centered design-led approach, but also try to understand how they can align with others who perhaps have a different, you know, frame of reference and a way of understanding the world. So I would say that was probably the that's that's the key thing to effective innovation is, is collaboration. That makes sense. And uh, last but not least, Hannah, would you like to tell our listeners um, about what you do at Person-Centered Software? Thanks, Rory. Um, and thank you for having me as well. I really appreciate being here. So my healthcare engagement manager role is sort of a number of caps all rolled into one, really. Part of my role is to sort of to showcase what we're doing at person-centered software around innovation and um, data sharing and, and sort of making that information that we hold accessible throughout somebody's health and care pathway. The other aspect of that is that person-centered software realized that they really needed to understand the healthcare aspect because we do very well in our market and care homes, but there's so much more that they need to know through sort of social care and healthcare. So that's where I come in. I build those relationships, um, build that understanding and help to understand what the need is throughout those areas to be able to become more interoperable, more innovative, um, more joined up. So um, yes, yeah, so it's quite a big umbrella of work that we're undertaking, but we're really here to sort of understand what is needed so that as we innovate and develop, we can do that in line with what is required as opposed to making an assumption on what we think is needed. Fantastic. That makes sense. And just a quick question on that. I mean, if you have you know, a really broad area of work and I'm guessing you, you're talking to people all over the sector. And so if we take the big seismic change that's happened over the past few years being COVID-19 and you were to look at its impact on innovation in, in both health and care, um, how would you say that has that has changed 
has it changed much in terms of you know through the relationships you have hearing about the speed or nature of innovation or or are things you know largely the same no i think well it's huge that the change is huge and the ability to change is huge there's been such a shift i think i heard a few weeks ago on on somebody else's talk that there's been a, a seven year change in two years when it comes to digitization and, and innovation which is massive you know that's just what it really shown us is actually how agile that the whole the nhs the government the organizations that that support that and provide that how agile they can really be and I think we need to capture that momentum and, and keep that going because there is a real danger that we're going to slow down and sit on our laurels a little bit and that's a real worry but yeah I think I think there's been a huge change and I, and I think it's all for good I think it's really opened up the areas that are important to focus on and perhaps the areas that are less important that you know historically we thought we need and we maybe don't need um so yeah I think there's a there's a real shift for the positive um but something out of something that's just so, you know, so awful. You know, it's a bit like the, the war era, isn't it, of something terrible's happened. But you know what? Actually, at the end of it, we're gonna we're gonna make the most of it and make something good come of it. And I think that's what we're getting through the COVID nineteen. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd I'd echo that from from Tech UK's perspective as well. I think we've seen that across the sector, so much resilience and um people dub doubling down on their efforts, particularly around things like health inequalities that are only going to get worse due to COVID. So yeah, thanks for that. And um, I'm now, I think the final question on the, the kind of the landscape of the sector. So we've talked a bit about some um, principles and um, the impact of COVID. And so I, I just wanted to know, and feel free to jump in anybody, what new trends or technologies you have seen emerge in place-based care over the past decade or so, or, or since you started working in, in, in place or care? There's a definite shift in um, certainly. Uh, we've always sort of talked about keeping people in their, you know, their place of choice, their home, for as long as we possibly can. I think there's definite shift into that being more profoundly important now than it's ever been before. But not just keeping them there, but being able to support them, and a, and a shift towards preventative care, which ultimately I is my belief that's where we need to go to be able to sort of make the most of the care provision that we've currently got, money that we have, you know, funding, all of those things, preventative care has got to be the answer. It's a long way off, don't get me wrong, but we have to start somewhere. So I think the innovation that we've seen, that the, the shift has been around a lot more things like remote monitoring, support for people, you know, tech within people's homes or places of, of uh, where they live, to, to support that so that we can, um, yeah, we can support people in a, in a single place rather than always having to take them out of that to, to give them the care that, and, and su uh, support that they need, really. Great, thanks. Helena, Scott, anything to add? I'd echo this, but I think it is about, and one of the, for me, the great causes for optimism from the pandemic as actually what, what I call kind of digital curiosity having broken out across the social care sector. Partly because during the pandemic, people were able to, you know, really they had to get their hands on technology in a way that perhaps hadn't before. It didn't break. It helped them keep going. You know, it really, really actually did what it said on the tin. It delivered on its promise. So I see now, you know, a huge amount of um, of curiosity. And I, I think it's starting to make some, um, make some shifts. One of the most interesting shifts that I've started to notice, and I hope, I'm sure Scott has got a viewpoint to share on this as well, is I think when public services 
really, really cooking on gas and really delivering well. It's when the boundaries between services start to blur. And we're starting now to see some projects that are quite multidisciplinary in terms of how they think about place. So, you know, we, we, we've got a, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of examples actually coming out of London where they're starting to think much more broadly around, you know, kind of questions around remote monitoring, um, not just of people, but of place as well. Uh, but how can we then fuse both of those aspects together to improve outcomes for people so that, you know, they don't have to get so sick and they keep out and about. And, you know, it, it's, it's really starting to change people's lives. So I, I'm really, really optimistic about it. But Scott, I don't know whether you've seen any of that kind of interdisciplinarity kind of blurring of the line stuff coming coming out as well yeah I mean, it's almost i think as much as anything it's it's bringing different disciplines and skills together to be able to ask really good questions and a lot not lead with a, a necessarily a very strong hypothesis or a set of assumptions and then to use various forms of data to then you know test validate prove um disprove almost taking a very personal take um the question as well is so uh, and this isn't this isn't meant to down because she had the most vibrant and full life right to the end. But my mum died during during um, the, the pandemic, and I was actually on one hand deep, deeply moved and, and struck by the, the tremendous efforts that everybody that interacted with her. She had a, you know carers coming in three times a day, and the, the you know I was super curious about how they organised their lives and how they interacted with each other and how information was shared amongst them and. Compared to when perhaps she first, you know, was unwell and required that level of care, it definitely felt like, as you said, that kind of digital curiosity, that openness to kind of work and with new methods and tools and technologies had really kind of reached aspects of the front line, which perhaps I maybe I felt was a little bit like they were, if not dismissed, they were they were felt as being perhaps a little bit unnecessary when when um, that level of care was first given to my mum. So on a very personal level, I, I think I've, I've also begun to see some of these changes take place. Fantastic. Um, thanks for that, um, everyone. And I'd like to, I think, link, there's a very interesting point here about the joining up of care that links to um, something that was announced very recently and that's been a long time in the planning, and that's the introduction of integrated care systems that are basically a you know a, a joined up approach to delivering care through a number of services within a geography and obviously uh, a place-based approach if, if ever we saw one so i'd like to ask whether the introduction of in integrated care systems will change the nature of of innovation in any way and if so how does industry navigate such um, a new or unfamiliar landscape? I'm observing a, an element of tension in the market, Rory, to be honest. So I think, you know, generally there is there is some optimism about, you know, this business of working together with health is, is generally, I think, something that the sector really, really welcomes from a social care standpoint. We know, you know, intuitively and from the data and everything else that that's something that needs to happen. I think I have heard some... Uh, community groups are a little bit worried that the great start that they've actually already made prior to, you know, all of this policy change might get sort of squashed or compromised by, you know, this actually what is ultimately going to be quite large organisations. So I think, um, you know, for, for 
for, for, for many of them, there is a bit of a balancing act of, you know, how do we sustain some of the, the good work that's already happening, you know, really kind of give that some more momentum. But, you know, general uh, general optimism, I think that one of the things I have heard a lot of, and I'm sure Hannah um, would be able to, to, to comment on this more deeply, is concern um, that perhaps providers and indeed the third sector and maybe not having a loud enough voice within integrated care systems. And equally, I think local authorities actually not necessarily having as loud a voice as they should do. But Hannah, maybe you've got more to add on that. I am. Um nodding my head in total agreement with you there, Helena. Yeah, there's definitely an air of concern. Um, you, you mentioned some great projects earlier and, and um, we have been really fortunate to be part of some that have really sort of led the way in that joined up care approach. But there is that fear that there is such a disparity between what is happening in one ICS to another that that, you know, it, it could have potentially have a, a negative impact on that. So I think we've got to be really careful as to how that is, is managed. But I think the ICS is, the idea is outstanding. I think it has a real opportunity to do great things, but I think that it's how that is done. And, and a lot of that has got to be around communication. So when we talk about providers and we talk about, um, you know, the, the health and the social care, it's it's making sure that everything everybody has a voice around that table to, you know, to really sort of make sure every stakeholder within that service is, is, um, is represented really part of what i do is around sort of banging the drum for the care homes because we provide care homes we hold a huge amount of data you know we, we're recording over five million care notes a day about people that you know it's around 24 7 information that's so valuable but yet we see that actually they haven't got a very big voice there there isn't a, you know this is an easy channel for um innovation to take place and that joined up care to be sort of implemented but it's still very slow and i think that's because there is not enough communication. There needs to be much more collaboration between different places to sort of learn from each other and to share. There needs to be from providers and suppliers and all of those to really sort of understand and learn from each other. Um, and then I think as we see those changes happen, that 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 concern will diminish. It will get better, but it's going to be a way off before I think there's a real secure feeling around the changes that are currently taking place. I'm nodding vigorously back at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <I know>. likewise. <laughs> Amazing. It's almost Thank like you. we've come in with the same agenda, Helena. <laughs> we don't, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks both. And I think um, just on integrated care systems, it's worth flagging to our listeners that um, members and non-members can join us for the launch of Tech UK's latest flagship report entitled What Should Integrated Care Systems Prioritise to Make Digital Data and Technology Work for Them and Their Populations? And this will be launched as part of Digital Place Week 2022 on the 21st of July from 10 to 11 a.m. I think it's good to um, capture a bit of what we've we've shared so far and kind of condense it. So if I were to ask um, our guests how industry can best harness or facilitate innovation across place-based care. Helena, you mentioned some examples earlier of, of particularly good best practice. Uh, are there any that, that any of you have that you think stand out as, as kind of key exemplars that that you'd love to get spread the word about today? Well, I suppose I, I was trying to think about the question from a slightly kind of adjacent angle and, and 
something that I've been directly involved with. So it's perhaps a bit of a stretch, but um, I should also say I did a, a, a few years ago, did an amazing project with Microsoft. And I should say in terms of an organization that was brilliantly collaborative in the work that we did, it, it wasn't about this particular topic, but it was to do with helping blind and partially sighted people yeah. navigate place and brought together probably about 40 or so different innovators um, and it was a bone conductive head headset rather than audio that said turn right and turn left and so forth um, and probably you know learning from that and many other projects I think the thing that when diverse skill sets come together I think the thing that made that project uh, a success and that has is a, almost a good guiding principle for whenever industry engages with any kind of complex system or place-based system. It, it, it was genuinely that it was user research-led. It was kind of really good questions. There was as much, I guess, anthropology at the heart of it as possible, as the project, the kind of projects allow. And that meant, you know, observing people in place. It meant, you know, understanding the, the lived experiences of, you know, a, a very diverse groups and then using those insights to then try and understand what were the really important barriers or challenges that should be focused on that were the most material. And then... I guess, secondly, there was that we always at the Catapult have had this sort of almost like guy, well, we'd call it almost like a patron saint, right? but a chap called Cedric Price who said, technology is the answer, but what is the question? And so it, it was just really trying to help us not get too caught up in what was technologically viable and feasible, but more like what was the thing that was most fundamentally desired. And so by drilling into that, I think, any industry partner can can ask good questions and then can then begin to then focus their particular skills, be that technological or process innovation, all sorts of different forms of innovation, including need to come together, uh, business model innovation, whatever it may be, tackle something that really matters. Thanks, Scott. That's really useful. Hannah, Helena. I love that, Scott. I think that is such a fantastic thing, a way to think about it. I think that's great. And I, and I think that kind of echoes where person-centered software is trying to tackle this, I think, in that it's around finding out what is really needed as opposed to what we think we want to do, which is very, very different. And um, yeah, so I think that's great. And so, th so there's a couple of projects I think that really sort of stick out for, for me. One is being the connecting care with NHS Central, uh, South Central and West. Um, and the connecting care project being a, a platform to uh, share information across a, a whole um uh, population of uh, over Bristol, South Gloucester and, and North Somerset. And um, we were part of that for the care homes with the delivery of GP Connect. So the, uh, uh, the GP information can be accessed at the care homes and also with the delivery of um, electronic hospital packs. So when somebody get admitted to hospital, rather than doing the traditional printing your paper off and putting it in an envelope and sending it, you're pressing a button and it, it's accessible by your anybody along that touch point. So your ambulance service and your hospital, which is which is just fantastic. So the thing that I find so amazing about that project for me is not just how much it was focused around what was required within that population and at the pace at which it, it happened, but also about how much that team really want to share that innovation. They've got all the information that you need to do it yourself. Um, you know, if, a, if another ICS came to them and said, we would like to do this, they are willing to share that. And I think that for me is just outstanding because that's what we should definitely be seeing a lot more of is that shared, that collaborative sharing of, of learning. 
and Southwest London would be another one for me because they've done a similar thing and they've, you know, again, they are, they just want to see that available to as many people as possible so that, you know, so that if, if it works or a form of it works, then we're, we're almost cutting corners on having to start from scratch. We've got a basis to work from a good foundation. So I think I'd like to see much more of that, really. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a very optimistic, but I think necessary take on it. And, and you know, I also echo Scott's comments. I think we see so much in Tech UK that is not all about digital for the sake of digital uh, or tech for the sake of tech. So um, two really refreshing perspectives. Um, Helena, anything to add? Yeah, I've literally just come out of a um, a seminar with the Social Care Institute for Excellence on um, co-production, uh, not just co-design. So uh, absolutely echo what what Scott was saying, and and we're doing quite a lot of work internally. Uh, I think in a similar space to the one that Hannah was just talking about, around encouraging lots of different members of local authorities uh, to be really, really excited about technology. So frontline worker stuff, not just kind of training for techies. So uh, we've launched a programme in conjunction with Socketin around change agents. And it's very much about you know, getting everybody on the bus, understanding what technologies are available and what they can do. And at the heart of that also is a, is a you know desire to encourage greater sharing. We're really lucky to work in, in this market because actually people generally want to share, you know, they want to see um, great outcomes, um, you know, across, uh, you know, across the boundary, wherever that might be. And so I, I think, um, you know, I think it's a really, really exciting, uh, exciting time um, as we, you know, hopefully kind of can move on from COVID and, uh, and start to, to to take some of the lessons that you know, Hannah was mentioning up front, and some of the, the really really great momentum, really kind of harness that now to move uh, to move forward. So yeah, really optimistic. Fantastic, that's good to hear. And a final question before we wrap up, and this might somewhat um, ruin the optimism, but I, I think it's a it's a good one to ask because <laughs> industry will be curious. But what are your views in terms of? Um, how feasible it is that we can overcome, you know, we've talked about the impact of COVID and just how great it is. We've talked about the need to, to speak to people on the ground and to share innovation and learnings. And obviously, you know, organizations such as yourselves are doing brilliant things in this space. But as a sector, do we feel that it's ready to take on such a big challenge or do we see any promising signs that we're, we're moving in the right direction? Ever the optimist, I'm going to say, absolutely we're ready and i think there is nothing but positivity to come from this but it's about how we approach that and and for me there has to be a real i keep saying it collaboration there has to be a real sort of communication from everybody involved to really stand up for themselves and say this is what we need and work out how that can then um, sit with other areas of care you know, and, and really sort of get those conversations going. I, coming from a software provider, it's quite difficult because, you know, we we have others in the market that provide the similar, you know, similar sort of softwares that we do. But what I would really like to see is that every software provider, every provider to, uh, supplier to any part of the health and care pathway is pushed to innovate, that we are opening the doors of communication because that's the hardest thing I find is, 
my, my role is purely around building that relationship. I'm not selling you something I am saying to you. We just want to know what you need so that we can build it. We've done lots of this already. You know, it's it's within our software. Care homes are seeing the benefit of it. But we really need to know what to do next. And I think that pressure then has to also go to every other supplier because you'll see we're already seeing a huge gap anyway. You're going to see a bigger gap between, you know, and 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 just to sing our praises, we are the leading supplier and care homes but we're not going to be able to supply every single care home across the country it's just never going to happen there's always going to be others that are going to other um, suppliers that are going to be chosen and I don't think it's fair that if they are chosen that there should be a negative impact on the residents within that care home as in everybody should have the right to the same level of interoperability of care of opportunity throughout their whole um, pathway in, in in health and care so i think a big push from those that are providing the care to say what you need and stick to your guns about it thanks hannah um scott do you want to come in again i'm going to i'm going to sort of interpret the question a little bit closer to 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 something that I've had direct um, experience in myself. So my sense is that there's there's a lot of cultural readiness and there's a lot of technological readiness, but it, but it has to be around something that's very clearly defined. And so uh, by that, I mean, my, my thing that I've got in mind was to do with social prescribing and it was to link, it was linked to basically, you know, mental wellbeing during the pandemic. And we worked directly with, um, Sport England um, and some of the local delivery pilots and via that we worked with both GPs and link work workers and it led to the bit that where we were really interested from a monitoring and evaluation perspective was around okay the extent to which the social prescription of park run or the social prescription of access to a bike or an e-bike or whatever it may be as a way of giving people the opportunity to both I suppose, find social connections, but also to move actively and be reconnected to either economic opportunity or be able to see their, you know, friends, family, loved ones in a way that they perhaps have not felt confident to do so before. And from that very, very specific, I mean, incredibly specific perspective, what, what we saw was a was a sort of a really strong willingness to engage. And it was a bit like you know, you ask one question and people would say, oh, there's three other people that you really need to speak to about this. And then via that, something that, you know, essentially was a question on a piece of paper very quickly became something that was real and that we were gathering information and able to monitor and evaluate much more effectively. Um, and that really, would, I was struck by the kind of cultural openness, um, the 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 point that was made earlier, I think, by... I think it was Hannah, but it might be Hannah, was, was around almost a, a desire to, to collaborate, a desire to, to open up and work with others. And that isn't the case in lots of other parts of where we innovate. So, you know, I think it's something that, 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 that you know, this particular topic can feel very encouraged about and very optimistic about. Can I add a bit of doom and gloom to the end of it? <laughs> of so look, I, I think the winds of change are blowing in the right direction, but it, it remains the case that social care funding is in such a difficult place, despite some of the, you know, the uh, the changes that are that are that are coming through. If we want to see the innovation, we want to see the left shift. And frankly, if we're going to cope with the demographic pressures that you know that we have, that we know are going to increase, um, then more funding will be needed in general. 
and also, uh, you know, around kind of digital and data-based um, projects. And I think it's very important that as a nation, we regard the care sector as every bit as cherishable as the NHS, because it is these people are doing critical, critical work that we'll all need one day. Uh, and, and so I, I guess, you know, from a kind of citizen standpoint, I think it's very important that we um, that we appreciate, uh, you know, what's happening. And, and, you know, and also social care is 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 is, is so much more than, you know, just people being helped to get out of bed in the morning or whatever it is. It's all of those community-based activities, all of the stuff that Scott was talking about. And as a nation, we really need to, um, you know, to embrace and, and, and value it and, and invest in it. 100% agree. I'm nodding away, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> More nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, I'd like to highlight a few upcoming opportunities to be involved in Tech UK's place-based work. First, our Social Care Innovation Hub, due to go live next week in the final week of July. This will feature case studies highlighting how members are addressing key challenges across the sector, blog posts from the likes of members and academia, video recordings of member show and tell pitches to Tech UK's social care working group, this podcast and other useful resources such as a Q&A section encompassing common queries and misconceptions. That's our social care innovation hub due to go live next week. Also, of course, is Digital Place Week 2022. Building on last year's Digital Place Week 2021, this is showcasing the work of our members driving the future of place, as all this week we are sharing guest blogs, case studies and relevant reports. Plus, we are featuring members in this, our Innovation in Place-Based Care podcast. Finally, you can also read about um, our online panel discussion on exploring the role of the technology industry in place which was held in association with iNetwork on the 14th of July. Visit the Tech UK website for more information on the Social Care Innovation Hub, Digital Place Week, or this iNetwork event. Well, I'd like to end by saying a huge thank you again to my guests, Helena Zaum from Microsoft and Tech UK's Social Care Working Group, Scott Kane from the Connected Places Catapult, and Hannah Groombridge from Person Centred Software. I hope you can join us in the future for more Tech UK podcasts, events, and activity. And to our listeners, I've been your host, Rory Daniels, and I'm Tech UK's Programme Manager for Social Care and Place Lead for Local Public Services. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs>